Well, I want to um, talk to you tonight about a um, subject I've just been thinking about for about, oh, I guess it's been a couple of weeks now, and I've been doing some reading also um, in a book. Um, and the, the, the topic is being considerate of one another. And uh, it's um, something that um, sometimes we can... When we be, we all fall into this thing of being inconsiderate of other people, especially the people we live with, and um, you can slip into that. And sometimes it's good to be reminded that um, that's not the way the Lord wants us to be. And so I, I just have been had a few thoughts on it, and I wanted to share some things. You know, we all have um, many times in a week either witnessed inconsiderateness at the stores and when you're driving and uh, in your house or at the church meeting and sometimes we're the ones being inconsiderate and sometimes people are inconsiderate to us and sometimes we're just noticing it we're just aware of it but it's around us all the time this, this attitude of just um, self first I'm in a hurry. I don't. You come to a four-way stop, and there's two cars lined up, and the guy doesn't take his turn. <laughs> he just goes right on through with the car in front of him. I've seen that happen. You've seen those kinds of things. And uh, it works its way out in public in those ways, but it works its way down in where we live also. And um, when you look up this word... Consider it. I just want you to listen to some of the things it says about considerate, to be considerate. To show kindly awareness and regard for another's feelings or circumstances or other, etc., etc. So that idea of kindness, awareness, and regard. Concern. Another word for regard is concern. Um, if you take the word consider it, it's got the word consider in it. And what does consider mean? Someone says, would you like to go with us? Well, let me consider that. Let me think about it. So there's the idea of thought. So considerateness implies thoughtfulness thoughtfulness towards whatever it is. And um, so <clears throat> you have these synonyms. Kindness, concern, thoughtfulness, regard for another person. And so what I, when I was thinking about just thinking about the term considerate. Of course, it, I always come back, it seems like, to this passage of Scripture that I, I've spoken on probably two or three times, but in different phase, different aspects of it. Um, and it's Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. So let me read it to you. And actually, I'll read part of 5. <clears throat> Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important 
than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to or grasped, but emptied himself. So the idea of that seems like Paul's bringing out here is do nothing from selfishness, but with humility regard or consider others as more important than yourself, which is being considerate, being thoughtful, being kind, entering into what they're going through, and uh, responding to them in that way, a considerate attitude, a considerateness. And, you know, this really ties in with what we just went through in small group last year with uh, love or die, the whole idea of love. <clears throat> Being considerate of one another is a practical demonstration of love being worked out in our lives. And you see that just in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at the, the first two descriptors of what love is. Love is kind. Love is patient. So you get that idea of kindness there. Patience with other people. Um, listen to Romans 12. Love, um, love, let love be without hypocrisy. It's not a show, but it's what's in your heart. It's what's really there. Let it be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cleave to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. So you see that idea of preferring the other person, giving them the preference, considering them, esteeming them. And uh, so... <clears throat> As Christians, one of the things that we want to do, every, every believer wants to walk as Christ walked. They want to walk um, in this area of love, loving like Christ loved. That's our goal. We want that. And so sometimes we get careless and we need to be reminded that... Um, this is how we need to walk and not this way. And I can tell you, I was just telling Garrett this, as I began thinking about this, <clears throat> in the last three days, I began saying, oh man, I'm speaking on being considerate. And here I am being inconsiderate in this situation. Conversation going on in your mind is somewhere else. See, it, it's, it's little things, it's subtle things of just not regarding the other person as you ought to, not esteeming them, not giving them preference. And what is the opposite of that? Giving yourself preference. And what's that called? Selfishness. And so, just a reminder. And so what I would like to do tonight is just... I've, some of you know that I've been thinking for some months, many months, about this area of parenting. And so 
There's a lot of things you could say on parenting, but one of the things I wanted to bring up tonight is um, um, just some tips maybe for some parents in this area of how do you train your kids to be concerned about others? How do you do that? What are some practical things you do to help them to see, to be concerned for others? You know, we get kids, they don't come ready to be concerned for others. That's not the way you get them. You get them very selfish. That's the way they come. And you have to train them out of that. And, um, you know, when you look at Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Of course, we're to train them in the scriptures and train them in righteousness, but one of the things, one of the ways of training them in righteousness is just training them in ways that please God. And ways that please God is to be considerate of others. That pleases God because that's the way he is. And so I guess the thing I would say is I want to talk about just a couple of points, maybe two or there may be more than that, but two or three points about just some overview on training. And then just four areas of training that I just came to my mind. There's a lot of way, places you can train. You can put talk about training your children. But I just wanted to focus on training them in this area of considerateness, and it's certainly not an exhaustive thing. It's just four points, four areas that I've been aware of um, and I've been thinking about, and some of them of which I've been guilty of in the last three days. Um, but you know, when you think of training, training is more than telling. It's more than telling. Um, <clears throat> when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, I'm not going to read all that. But it says that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart. I'm paraphrasing. You're to. Listen to what God says to you, what God instructs you. It's to be on your heart. It's to be in you. It's to be on your heart. And then you're to teach that to your kids diligently. And where do you do that? Well, you teach them when you're sitting down, when you're rising up, when you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you're walking by the way, when you're in the town, when you're in the house, when you're out in the field. The idea is is that it's part of you. You see, it's in your heart. It's part of you. And so you're looking for opportunities. And in this area of being considerate and not being selfish, opportunities start surfacing everywhere. You see it all the time. And so not to just let those things go by, but to begin to instruct and train, train your child in those areas. So, first point, it's training is not telling. Second, training always has an eye to the future. It always has an eye to the future. 
So here's a carpenter. Jim could relate to this. <clears throat> He's got a helper. He wants to train him to be a carpenter. So he gives him some instructions. says, this is how you do it. He watches him do it. He models for him how to do that. This is how it's done. He watches him again, see if he's got it. Gives him some time to practice it. He supervises him. Goes over and says, no, 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 no. You're not hitting that nail right, Jim. You keep bending it. I don't know, it's the hammer. It's the hammer. <laughs> no, you're not hitting it right. You're not hitting it square. So you're, you're having to do some correction and some instruction again. And all the while, it's an ongoing process. And pretty soon, after a long period of time, the guy's a pretty good carpenter. He knows how to build, build things. Well, that's what training is like. Now, Jim doesn't want to spend, or Rick doesn't want to spend, um, <clears throat> a year, two years, three years training this carpenter, and then every time he goes and says, I want you to put up that wall, he's got to go over and watch and make sure he's doing it right. What's the point of the training? He wants him to be able to do it on his own. He's, in, he's got an eye to the future. He's wanting him to be able to do that. So here's the question, for, and this is, <clears throat> like I said, this is really, I, I've been thinking about, we have so many young kids, so many young families, but even at, this applies to all of us, too. <clears throat> Some of these points do. Here's a couple of questions to ask young parents. What kind of man if, if, would you like your daughter to marry? What kind of man would you like your daughter to marry? Train your son to be that kind of a man. What kind of a daughter, what kind of a woman would you like your son to marry? Well, begin now. Train, train that, that, young, that young girl to grow up to be a woman like that. Here's another one. What skills or attitudes would you like to see your children have when they leave your home? What skills or attitudes would you like to see your children have when they leave your home? You know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Well, we all want our kids to be equipped spiritually. We want them to be equipped physically for the things that are gonna face, they're going to face. We want them equipped for that. And you need to train them so that they will be. It does not just happen. I know we have the mercy of God and the grace of God, but we also have the commandment that we're to train up our children in the way they should go. So we have that, we have that responsibility as parents. And then another thing I wanted to just mention along these lines of 
training has an eye towards the future. <clears throat> There's always, training always involves repetition. You don't, typically you don't learn something, just, you just got it. There's a repetition involved. I remember when I was coaching basketball, one of the things I kept, I would stress all the time, particularly in areas of defense, the way you practice is the way you're going to play when you get tired. Now, you can put on a good show for the first few minutes, and you can do all the right things and be down in the right position and have your hands and moving your feet. But when you get tired, the very first thing that happens is you resort to bad habits, and you quit moving your feet, and you start reaching and getting fouls. And so it really, there is a real carryover here. <clears throat> These areas of training our children, there has to, you can't grow weary in it. You have to continue on and you have to be consistent in it. And it's just, it's over and over and over again. Because what you're trying to do is cultivate new habits so that they're not relying on the old ways of responding. So if the old way of responding is selfishly, so you're trying to change that. You want them to be considerate of others. So you have to groom them. You have to work. You have to, you have to put, present situations to them, or, or when the situation presents itself, discuss things with them. Okay, that's that. Now, <clears throat> I don't know what to call this, so I, just, I don't even know if they're tips. Probably most of you know these, but just some thoughts I've had on... Um, being con teaching our children or training our children to be considerate. And these apply to us as adults also. <clears throat> Train them, number one, there's four, there's only four I'm going to talk about, to have good manners. Train them to have good manners. Now I'll tell you something, <clears throat> I've talked to parents and I've seen this happen, and you probably have, you'll know what I'm talking about. You, talk, you come up to a, a little fella, and you say, hi. And uh, they don't want to make eye contact. They don't want to respond. Now, if that was a 12-year-old, and you said hi, and they turn their back and walk away from you, what would we call that? Rudeness. Okay? It's rudeness. Thank you. <clears throat> and we, kids will be like that. And the excuse that will be given, oftentimes, they're shy. And I love what David, David and I were talking about this one day, and I love what David said. I don't know where, if David came up with it, so he got it somewhere, but <clears throat> shyness is understandable, but it's not excusable. It's understandable that a child is shy, but it's not an excuse for being rude. And we can train our, our kids and prepare our kids how to handle situations so they're not rude. And I'm going to give you two examples that I've seen here, and I've seen it repeatedly in the church here. <clears throat> I won't use names to embarrass people. 
<clears throat> to embarrass the little people. <clears throat> um, I've had numerous occasions to walk in and say hi to a young person, younger person, and um, no response. And uh, I've heard the parents say, Jim slash grandpa is talking to you. You need to look at him and answer. It wasn't a sharp rebuke. It was a reminder. Jim is talking to you. Look at him and respond. One time I was sitting here in a Sunday meeting and it was crowded and it was noisy and one young fella was having a particularly rough day. And I sat down at the table with dad and I said, greeted dad, greeted the young fella, head buried. And dad put his arm around the boy and said, Mr. Jim said hello. No response. Pretty soon, Dad puts his arm around him, draws him a little closer. I don't know what transpires, whispers something in his ear, and pretty soon I see. <laughs> the eyes come up, eye contact. Mission accomplished, reconciliation. Didn't say hi, but that's it, hi, you know. So what, what transpired there? Was it a big deal? Do you take him out and spank him? No, it's instruction. It's instruction along the way. Here's an opportunity. It's rude not to respond, so you teach him to respond. And a lot of times, most of the times, it's just giving them prep before. I remember when, when my boys were younger, and I, would be going, I went to a person's house with another teacher, I think, and I, I just had a feeling, you know, you got these two little kids, they're cute, they're gonna get offered cookies. And so <clears throat> I said, what are you going to, if they offer you anything, what are you going to say? Thank you. That's right. Now you make sure you say that if they offer you anything. Okay. What if they say hi? What are you going to say? Hi. Okay. It's prepping them so that they know what to expect and then holding them accountable to do that. <clears throat> so you can go on, we can go on with all kinds of examples of, um, ways of just teaching manners. But I'll, I'll tell this other one because this one applies to adults. <clears throat> Interrupting people when they're talking. So you've got this conversation going and you're carrying on and someone just steps in and interrupts. And there's sometimes they interrupt because they're just impatient. They've got something to say. They want to say it before they forget about it. I've been very grateful that in all the years we've had small group, Terry's only missed one because when she's not there, I am really on pins and needles because I am terrible because I don't hear. And people in our last small group can attest to that. Someone will start talking and I just cut them off because I didn't hear them because of my hearing issue. And so Terry would just kind of gently nudge me it was talking. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. <laughs> so, so you can have those kinds of things where you're interrupting, but what I'm really referring to is more the thing of just you, you're impatient. You've got to say something. You cut people off. 
Well, <clears throat> I've seen parents do this, and this is a good tip for parents. I've seen parents in here do this. So kids got something, mommy, 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 mommy. And uh, mommy just says, I'm talking right now. And if the kid persists, mommy does something about it. But what I've seen happen is that in a number of occasions, the kid comes up and just stands by mommy and gets mommy's attention besides saying mommy, 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 or daddy, daddy, daddy. And uh, may just stand by him or touch him on the leg. And immediately the, the parent just reaches down and acknowledges that they're there, but they don't stop their conversation with the other adult. They put their arm around them, and then they'll just, maybe just a minute or two, and then they'll say, just excuse me. Now, what did you need, honey? But see, what it is is the parent is being considerate of the kid. They've got something to say. But you're also teaching the kid that there's a time to do that. And it's not just to interrupt people. And I've seen that happen here. So see, a lot of these things are going on. And you, you probably have others. Here's another one. Number two, be thoughtful of others. How do you teach children to be thoughtful of others? Well, here's the number one rule. It's a pretty easy one. You are not going to teach your kids to be thoughtful of others if you are not thoughtful of others. You're not, it's not going to happen. You have to be thoughtful. You need to be thoughtful of others. Because remember, part of training is modeling. You need to be modeling that behavior. So how do you do that? Well, how do you start training kids to be thoughtful of other kids or of other people? Well, I think and there's lots of ways you do it, but I think one of the first things you do is um, their birthday or some special event. And you say, hey, it's your sister's birthday. Let's make a card for her. You begin to get, see, what, what are you trying to do with thoughtfulness? You're trying to take their thoughts away from themselves and put them on somebody else. That's what you're trying to do when you're training. You're trying to get them to see that the world does not revolve around you. But there's other things going on. And so you look for opportunities Grandma's sick. Hey, why don't we make a card for Grandma today? You go pick her some flowers and we'll take them over to her. It's little things like that. They seem little, and in and of themselves they're very little, but there's all kinds of opportunities throughout the day and throughout the weeks where you can have an opportunity to turn a kid's thoughts away from themselves and what they're doing in their little world and try to redirect in a gentle way. Doesn't have, You're not spanking them. You're just redirecting. You're training. Sometimes it does involve spanking if there's disobedience, but so much of this is training and redirecting. And, and where's their focus? Where's their focus? And then you have kids that will say, um, and I've heard this, can we, can we make a card for, for so-and-so because they're sick, a friend or something? And then that's when you, you really reinforce that kind of thinking. <clears throat> Here's another way that you can help kids to 
be thinking about others. You know, we live in a day and age when um, humor, put-down humor, is very popular. You just put people down and laugh. And <clears throat> we had a, tried to have a rule at least around our house where if you're going to make fun of somebody, make it be yourself and not make fun of somebody else. Um, but that put-down humor where you humiliate somebody and so to just uh, not allow those kinds of things and redirect those things, we don't want to. We don't want to make so and so feel bad. It's not, you know, you're trying to get them to see how does that person feel when you make when you make fun of them. How does that make them feel? And so again, what is it? It's trying to redirect, redirect your your thoughts on that. Make yourself the brunt of the joke, if there's going to be a joke. <clears throat> and then this one I thought was really just such a practical one. You, you know that somebody in the congregation or neighbor needs some help with something. Maybe it's raking leaves or doing something. You can't bring you know, all your children over to help, but maybe you select one or two of your children and you bring them along with you when you go do that. And I just had this example that Mason shared with me when Ryan Fullerton was here. We were talking about this. I thought it was so good. He was telling the story about, some of you have heard this, uh, telling the story about Paul Washer <clears throat> um, when he was helping somebody move. And uh, he brought his son along. And um, so they were going to be moving some heavy stuff and loading the truck. And he wanted to bring his son into this to just so he would learn how to work, but also that we're helping somebody, thinking of others, getting their mind on others. And so <clears throat> he, um, he said, he got down on his knees, Mason said, got eye to eye with him. And he says, I've got a really important job for you to do, son. I want to tell you what the job is and I ask you if you can handle it. We're going to have a bunch of men that are going to be carrying really heavy things out that door. And when they come out that door, they're not going to be able to set the furniture down and then try to open the door and pick the furniture back up. We need somebody to stand there and be the doorman to hold that door open. And he said, do you think you could do that, son? And I said, yeah, I can do that. And so he did. He held the door open, and, and Mason said... Every time Paul walked by him, he said, now that's the way to be a man, son. Now what is that? There's so much involved in that statement. Now that's the way to be a man, son. Because what he's saying is, <clears throat> men are people who are strong and help others. Help others. See, and that's what he was doing. He was helping someone else. That's what it means to be a man. Isn't that what Christ said? I didn't come to serve, but to be, to, I mean, didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life. So what we're trying to do is train our children and looking for opportunities to where we can redirect their thoughts from their own little world into a world that's bigger than them and involves other people. 
directing them away from their own little activities to something bigger than them that involves somebody else so that they can be concerned about this. Third point, and it's very much related to this. Just training them to be aware of what's going on around them. And this can be so, this is so subtle. But it, again, this really applies to us. <clears throat> you know, um, they live in their own little world. It's understandable. Like that saying, it's understandable that they're selfish. They grow up with everybody catering to them. That's the way they grow up. You have to. You have to take care of them. Mom and dad have to do everything for them or they die. So they're in that environment. So that's understandable. But what we're trying to do now is make them aware of other world besides what they're going through. And so even little things like, um, I was telling Mason about this, <clears throat> and here's a good example for grown-ups. Hey, we are, we're cleaning on Sunday and we're vacuuming. This is just a positive example of what I'm talking about. Two people engaged heavily in conversation. Work going on around them. Nothing wrong with that, necessarily. But Mason says to this other brother, hey, they're vacuuming here. Why don't we go stand over here? Stepping back, letting them do the work. Still carried on the conversation, didn't break it off, but just aware aware of what's going on around you and not be so focused on what you're, what you're thinking about and talking about that you're oblivious to the world around you. And so <clears throat> how do you train kids with that? Well, sometimes it's as simple as, as, honey, why don't we take these toys and put them in the kitchen and you can play in there while mommy vacuums the, va the, the, um, the living room because I need to get the vacuuming done. See, it's not just taking them and moving them, but there's a little bit of an explanation of why you're moving it. Again, you're redirecting. Mommy has to do this and this is in the way, but you can go ahead and play, but just do it over here. And there's opportunities for, for parents at home and even here in the building when we're, when we're setting up and stuff. Hey, hey, kids, why don't we just go over here and play because the, the men are setting up tables right now. The ladies are in the kitchen cleaning. Let's not, let's not be running back in the kitchen and playing. Let's play somewhere else. This isn't, may not seem very spiritual, but it's very practical. And this thing of being considerate of others is a pretty important thing. <clears throat> I saw um, an example here at church this weekend. Uh, here was a mom. She had her hands, her baby, one hand, trying to clean the table, had the table full, and her brother jumps up and says, here, let me get that for you. Aware. You see what I'm saying? Aware of what's going on around. Here, let me, let me help you with that. Um, and so we can do that with our kids, too. Um, whether it's helping unload the car, helping hold the door, all of these little things of, again, redirecting, redirecting from their little world to a bigger world around them. And then the last point I would say is um, <clears throat> train them to share. Train them to share. Uh, 
course, it starts out sharing little things at home, sharing their toys and stuff. But it's bigger than that. <clears throat> As they grow older, they're going to be watching you. And they're going to be watching you model the area of generosity. And not generosity just in finances or generosity with your things, but generosity of spirit. You know, that's a big thing. You might loan your tools to somebody, but you criticize the person who borrowed them. Are you being generous? Well, sort of, with the material things, but with the heart, you're still being real critical, stingy. And so what we want our kids to see is a generous spirit as well as generosity with sharing. And it, it's little things like one of, the, one of the kids gets hurt and you, you try to begin to plant the seed. Well, that was an accident. He didn't mean to actually hurt him. It may have meant to, though. That's a problem sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but just the idea that you begin to, to point them in the direction of being generous in spirit and not always critical of everything because you're not that way. If you're that way, they're going to pick up on that. And they will become that way. They will become critical. Um, I remember, if you have not had opportunity to listen to a message Bob Jennings gave on parenting, I would really, really recommend you listen to it. Um, it's, the, it's the best message, short, but it's the best message I have ever heard on parenting, bar none because it is so vintage Bob. It is practical, straightforward, not pulling any punches, not trying to sound eloquent, but it was. You know, it was just so practical. Here's one of the things Bob said, and this is probably a paraphrase. <clears throat> our choices speak much louder than our words. Our choices speak much louder than our words. So this area of training, you cannot get away from the fact of this area of is it in your life? Are you modeling that? Because they tend to pick up things that they see. And so uh, just to encourage you to, as young parents, to be thinking about that. You know, we all have reputations. And the scripture says, even a child is known by his deeds. And so even young children have reputation. Um, and so we want to cultivate within them that attitude, that desire to want to serve others, to want to be considerate of other people, to want to do that, put it in their heart to want to do that. We ask God to help us. We ask God to change their heart, but we can do some things. And like I said, a lot of these things seem real little in and of themselves, but... You know, I, I, and you've heard me, and those of you who've been around here any length of time have heard me say this repeatedly, that Hudson Taylor quote, a little thing's a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a very big thing. That's big. And so you, you have to look at that, the overall picture. You cannot, a life lived before your children is a powerful, powerful message. 
There is no more powerful message than a life lived before your children. So you're modeling these things that you're trying to instill in them. And tonight we're talking specifically about being considerate of others. <clears throat> One of the books that I've been reading, I was talking to uh, Garrett just a little bit about this. This is uh, Gape Leadership, and it's about Robert Chapman. He came up oftentimes in our small group. Just two, two, well, two incidences, I guess, maybe, of, of um, Robert Chapman. Maybe I'll just paraphrase this first one. He was always, it says, he always thought good of others, and he was always mindful to try to make life easier for the other person. And so his meetings, he had a lot of people that worked that came to their meetings. And so this, is, this does pertain to us. He was really prompt and really faithful in starting his meetings on time and ending his meetings on time because the people in the congregation, many of them, had to be at jobs after the meeting. And so he was really prompt in that area. I was telling um, <clears throat> Garrett that when he would have conferences, he had conferences that would accommodate his sheep because they worked all day. So you see the considerateness that he had towards, towards his sheep. But I thought this was such a good example of... of um, Here's an old man. He's 70 years old now. <clears throat> Chapman's kindness didn't wane, even when it required extra effort on his part. As he aged, his handwriting became more difficult to read. One day, his co-worker, William Hake, had to ask Chapman to read a note that Chapman had written to him. The handwriting was so bad that even Hake couldn't read it. Chapman, who had no desire to impose this hardship on recipients of his correspondence, resolved to improve his penmanship. Jesting once, he, he once said, I'm, all, I'm always careful not to make the postman swear. <laughs> so, but just the idea that here is a man who's 70, he would have been very easy to say, well, that's the way I write. Sorry. But even at, an, an, at that age, he was always concerned that the, these people that are receiving his correspondence, it would be difficult for them. So he was always trying to make it easier on them, even at hardship to himself to have to put extra time in doing that because he considered them as more important than himself. And see, that's what Philippians is saying. Not selfishness, but regarding others as more important than himself. Well, it's, uh, that's all I have. Um, I, maybe it's a little late for this, but I didn't know if... Uh, I'd just maybe share one more thing that Garrett talked with me about um, right before the meeting. And maybe this will kind of plant a seed for you just to be thinking about some of these things. Making it easier on the other person. Garrett said, how often in restaurants do people murmur and complain because they're not getting the service? Christians, he said, getting together, murmuring and complaining because the service isn't good. 
instead of trying to make it easier on the waitress. So the situation that you're in, where are you? Socially, at church, at home, on the job, in the neighborhood, trying to make it easier on the other person, even if it costs you something, some more time, a little more effort on your part to improve your handwriting, and not to just be self-centered. But we need help in this, and we need God's grace to lead us in it. And we know one thing, that that's our desire as Christians. Our desire as Christians is to grow in the area of love and to be more like our Savior. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for examples like Robert Chapman and others, and the examples that we see even here in the congregation week in and week out, and areas of people considering others uh, as more important than themselves and uh, training their children in this way. And Lord, we just pray that you'd be mindful of us as the days go on to uh, be sharp in this area and not become lax and dull, but to be sensitive to the people we live with, <clears throat> people we work with, the people we fellowship with, our neighbors, to just be aware, have this on our mind, to really consider them, not have it be an act, uh, but just to really have our heart in such a state that we really are concerned. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. One of the most important lessons that, that I learned early on as a parent, and I think it was something that I picked up from Ryan Fullerton, uh, was just the the thing of bringing your kids along with you when you go places. Uh, because you can't do a lot of these things that Jim talked about in terms of training your children if, if your children aren't with you, you know. And it's so easy, you know, you want to run to the store, you want to make it quick, you've got all kinds of other things to do, and you know that if you go to the store alone, you can do it in 10 or 15 minutes, but you know if you take one or, one or two of the kids with you, it might take 10 or 15 minutes longer than that. And so the temptation is to just want to leave the kids at home and go yourself just to get it over with. But the problem with that is, is if you do that all the time, you're missing out on golden opportunities to train them in these very areas that Jim's talking about. Uh, same thing if you're cleaning out the garage or something like that. You know, If you do it yourself, you might get it done a lot faster I mean, if your kids are little like ours are. But bringing them out with you and having them help you, it's going to take, take longer now to clean, but you're going to be able to teach them lessons and things as you're going along that you wouldn't get to do otherwise. So just the thing of bringing your children with you um, has been a really important thing for me to think about. You know, it's like whenever you leave the house, you ought to be thinking, can I, can I take one of the children with me? You know, is, can I make this work with them? And uh, it should be kind of the default mode that you always want to take them with you wherever you're going. Uh, and it's amazing how, how much you're able to teach them these, these things just in day-to-day -day life.